Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. audience. Hello, listeners. Hello, Reese. How are you? I am extremely good. It's the middle of summer. Work is at a low ebb. Creativity is high. I'm here with you to record another Tea at Tea episode. Not entirely sure what we're going to talk about, but no, whatever comes out of our mouths will be wonderful. So (laughs) It's always a fabulous experience. Yeah, I love these conversations that we get to have. So I'm bringing the topic to the table today, listeners, and this is what it is. We'll see what Reese has to say about it. Something I've been noticing that's been coming up, whether it's something in the air, or it's the season time of year, or it just happens to be maybe remnants from a pandemic where things are persisting, is in my client work and often conversations with friends and family members, is the ability for us to step out of the habit of trying to fix the emotional state that we're in that I don't like the way I'm feeling. It's uncomfortable. It's a problem. So I have to fix it. I have to address it straight away rather than giving ourselves the opportunity to simply be with an emotion, to allow it to happen, to shift our mindset from I'm broken and I need fixing to I'm not broken. There is no problem. There's nothing to fix. I'm a human being And I'm simply experiencing an emotion. I'm having an experience. Why don't I just let myself have it? Well, a couple of things. Yeah, you made a good point to relay it back to, obviously, the previous experience of the last 18 months or so. And maybe there has been a frustration that needs to get moving again after a sort of forced pause, setting aside all the benefits that many people will be able to extol from that experience but that sense of i need to get moving again i need to get through this i need to keep pushing forward i need to something needs to happen needs to be to develop it needs to be growth and i think that's a kind of common theme for most human beings and i think this example here whether we're talking about emotion or anything at all this tendency to identify x as a problem and then skip straight to z and trying to find the solution without enjoying the why of how it is, why it is, what is it there to show you? What can it teach you? What are the opportunities that are there that you are already negating and labeling as a problem might actually be the very thing that you need to experience, that you need to pay more attention to. And if nothing else, you're developing an awareness to notice these feelings and emotions in the mind, in the heart, in the body, the full sensory perception, rather than just like, oh, I feel crappy this day, or I'm tired, or I'm angry, I need to get past this to this next bit. You're always looking ahead to a perceived better situation, circumstance, or reality, whereas you'd be far better served if you would just focus on that present moment and focus on that present experience, being able to hear the, the whispers or the little things that you're heart is telling you or maybe your mind is trying to talk over the top of the body is a great place to to have that 
experience and being able to tune into that is really powerful i think and i think that what you're offering our listeners is to to sit to stop to pause to sit with the emotion you know eq 101 being able to sit with it and not be triggered by it and not perpetuate previous examples of behavior or or how it interacts with the relationship and being able to not chastise yourself or shame yourself or guilt yourself if you could remove all those immediate things which come into your mind when you experience something like that if you could kind of get rid of that and see what was there without all of that discoloring then i think we would all have far more coherence in what we're trying to do in our own growth without trying to force anything put any time frames and deadlines and expectations on things we can continue to learn there's too much tendency to look for that fix when we can really be enjoying the journey and the experience and the noticing i don't know how that reflects with your new clients from individuals or or companies or how that kind of plays out with your what you've been doing Well, as you mentioned, 101, when we think about the foundation of our human experiences, there's emotion under all of it. And we have cognitively labeled those emotions when we developed language. And as soon as we develop language and start labeling things, and we start to attach meaning to them. So something that we can draw our attention to is we call certain emotions difficult emotions, uncomfortable emotions. We label them in that sense because they do feel that way in our bodies. They feel uncomfortable to us. We notice our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure goes up, our temperature goes up, our respiration rate changes. So our body moves from a state of comfort perhaps to a state of discomfort. And that's the physiological response pattern of an emotional experience. So as you eloquently state, we have to be aware that when we have that experience, the mind starts working. It happens so quickly that the mind starts to layer on top of it, egoic based thinking. And usually that egoic based thinking is not very helpful to us being in a comfortable emotion. It exacerbates uncomfortable emotions, uncomfortable thoughts. And we label these kinds of things, shame, anger, disappointment. So one of the things that I think becomes essential for us to recognize, and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross offered to us in the world of emotional intelligence, in the world of emotions, in the world of psychology, an ability to whittle down, even asking ourselves the question, am I in love or fear? Let me just look at these two primal emotions. And we can easily, based on checking in with our body, am I comfortable or uncomfortable, identify, "Mm, I'm in fear. I'm afraid of something, rejection, failure, not being loved, not belonging, getting something wrong. I might even be afraid of succeeding. And I can tell because I'm uncomfortable in that space and I'm trying to get away from it. So instead of allowing myself the experience of simply feeling it and letting it be as it is, I'm going to try to package it up and put it in the freezer because I don't have time to deal with this right now. So I'll let my mind tell me some other things like that's nonsense, just carry on, here's a solution, try this, do that. 
But here's the thing. That stuff is going to come out of the freezer, whether you like it or not. And it's going to show up sometimes when it's the most inappropriate timing for that thing to show up. So your invitation for us to be present, to practice the pause, to be mindful of our pace and our busyness in order to allow each experience we're having to be had in the moment we're having it means we put less things in the freezer, which means less things will show up at inopportune moments, right? That will have the experience and allow the process of the experience to fulfill itself. It's good. It, it had its time and its place. And because it's impermanent, I've now moved on to my next experience as a human being, one after the other, they just come. So if we give ourselves that opportunity of doing those kinds of things, more often than not, what we'll find is we'll stop re-experiencing the echoes of previous discomforts that we didn't allow in the moment. And those will stack together, which means oftentimes they become more and more uncomfortable. Yeah, indeed. I'm just uh, enjoying the imagery of the frozen thing. I'm picturing that <laughs> a giant big chest freezer with all these things that you're just like, right, part that, part that, part that. And then like the, the idea that, yeah, they could come out on any time and, you know, things have to be defrosted thoroughly for you to actually uh, consume them. Whereas if you try and do them part defrosted, you could get, could cause lots more uh, disease when your mind is obviously controlling whether it's ego or something else this idea that it will spot something and it will relay that back to a memory and you'll be like oh this has happened before we don't need to think about that we've dealt with it before let's park it in the freezer just automatic quick response to seeing something or hearing something or feeling something and really that autonomic action is almost something that is the hardest thing to unlearn kind of mm -hmm. to to recognize it and to still be able to witness it and not be consumed by it. And this idea that we've overcome that in the past, so we don't need to waste any time or energy focusing on this thing now. And in doing so, every experience will be slightly different and every experience will offer a, a slightly different learning opportunity. And so by negating that space for ourselves, we are creating that freezer backlog and we are <laughs> condemning ourselves to a, a life in the in the defrost the microwave or <laughs> i'm getting lost in this analogy here, oh, it's in the <laughs> microwave <laughs> it's stuck in the microwave frying your brain waves um i like that the difference between comfort and familiarity, familiarity yes like what I just said there, like that, there's that familiarity was definitely kicking in and siphoning whatever it is into wherever it's going to allow you to focus on the perceived more important task or whatever it is you're doing, more enjoyment thing that you're taking your attention off. The idea of familiarity and comfort is a tricky one because on first instance, they obviously, you think, oh, that's just the same thing. I'm, I'm familiar with that, so I'm comfortable with it. But you could obviously be familiar with something and be completely uncomfortable with it and vice mm -hmm. versa. Mm -hmm. Even though I imagine most people would perceive the two things as being one and the same. So I'm interested to know what your thoughts are for this idea that being comfortable, being uncomfortable or being happy with the unfamiliar, just as you are sedated by the familiar. I don't know. Um, oh, great word, sedated. That autopilot sort of response does solicit that sort of physicality of, I'm just at this baseline 
And so I'm in that autopilot response pattern. And then I'm not really challenging the status quo. I love this ability for us to be looking at our experiences, our emotional experiences and our thinking experiences, and then our actions that we're choosing, looking at our patterns and being able to ask ourselves the question around, am I doing this because it's familiar, even though it's uncomfortable, meaning I am not really allowing my true self to be exposed here. I'm not allowing my strengths to come. I'm not allowing myself to live in my light, in the fullness of who I am. And can I look at those experiences and be able to make that distinction between, ooh, yes, I'm uncomfortable doing this to myself, but it's familiar, so I'll keep on doing it because I know what this leads to. That's why it feels familiar, but it's actually uncomfortable because what we're continually doing to ourselves is shaming ourselves, blaming ourselves. We're not, we're not accepting ourselves. We're not loving ourselves. We're not respecting ourselves. Those are very uncomfortable places for us to continually be in. And we, we might notice that our habits is we numb feeling them by filling the void with other things like online shopping, binge eating, drinking, any addictive habits that we can participate in will numb that experience for us. So we don't actually have to feel the discomfort of it. We can get comfort from other things. It's momentary and it's fleeting. So we'll have to keep feeding ourselves with those cover-ups. The real work is to turn inward and know that when I need to feel seen and heard and accepted and loved, I could do that for myself. If I keep seeking external, that solution, it's going to be really hard for me to ever find it. Personally, I don't believe you'll ever find it. You'll keep looking. You'll keep looking for the external. You won't ever find it. When we turn inward and we give it to ourselves, we have it all the time. So anytime we need it, anytime we need the nurturing, as far as Tara Brock's RAIN method goes, anytime we need the nurturing of what does this emotion, feeling, thought, what do I need? right now, I need to be accepted and loved. Can I give that to myself? Yes, I can give that to myself. I love you. I see you. I feel you. You are heard. You are valuable. You are worthy. I am. I can speak directly to myself and say those things and feel those things and believe those things instead of trying to find it externally, not finding it externally. Because then I think that's when we're believing we're broken and we need a fix that's external to us. So if we change that mindset, I'm, I'm not actually broken. There is no problem. I just have to remind myself that I am loved. Hmm. Is this a kind of, um, like at the beginning of the problem, if you like maps out into a model or something, you have this thing and then you have this kind of lens or perception of it as good or bad or wrong or right or yes or no. And whatever, whatever happens starts that process moving inexorably in that direction, whether it's yes or no, good or bad, painful or, or delight. And it made me think, well, what comes first, this familiarity or is it the comfortableness? And I thought, well, for me, I think the familiarity is the base note that keeps everything moving. Like we can be sedated and we can be on autopilot to allow us to cope with the uncomfortable, which most probably people have more uncomfortable than they have comfortable the different waves that there was coming up we can kind of shortened a little bit so they're almost similar and they're almost coming along along this kind of baseline which is this sedated autopilot thing 
what was the last bit you said sorry the oh boy you're gonna ask me to remember something that i said uh, my memory isn't working very well today but um we're not broken there's nothing yeah. wrong there's no problem we don't have to fix ourselves we simply have to remind ourselves that we are loved we are love period yeah so to go back to that thing at the start of the program yes or no but if we can just put a, a self-compassion or, or loving or something like that in front of that so you're not forced to decide whether oh, this is wrong this is bad you can just be like oh this is happening let's sit with it see what happens and not judge it, not judge yourself, not have any expectations on it. And I think that is the kind of ideal place that we're all kind of looking to be, whether we're talking about enlightenment or meditation or any of these kind of practices. And it doesn't need to be anything esoteric or anything like that. It just needs to be a pause from that autopilot. You need to find something to break that acceptance with mediocrity and, and, and happiness, happiness, whatever the gauge is, just remove all of those gauges and just be able to know that what is happening is meant to happen, not trying to control it, not trying to manipulate it. And, and this is obviously the root of this idea of, of the suffering from a Buddhist teaching. Life is suffering. The way you get past that suffering is by accepting that suffering and not holding on to too much or not being uh, pushing too much stuff away. And it's really going back to that being present in the moment. And I don't want that to sound like, oh, you're kind of, you know, yogi guru meditating. Something you know, you can do that everyday life. You know, yeah. it's a question. You like you like you always say, you always have a choice how you choose to react. It's not someone else forcing that. It's you ultimately that is the driver for how you respond. And, and you can choose to respond to everything with compassion and and definitely self compassion to I think alleviate so many problems. And, in, in my experience with clients, most people don't know how to identify those things, the, the awareness, the, the noticing bit. And once they do, the next bit's fairly straightforward. They're fairly typical. You know, everyone have their own unique way, but there will be a familiar thread. And working with different people, it helps to do that without guiding, obviously. But um, I think you said something really critical in there is the no judgment piece. If we can prompt our listeners in the direction of, okay, so what do we do now? How, how do we do this? So people might be listening and they might already be thinking, Ooh, I'm on this path where I am noticing and I'm trying to be more present and I'm doing some practices. And we may have some people listening that are saying, Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm uncomfortable, but I'm not sure of anything else. Where do I start? How do I progress in my practices? And so when we think about self-awareness skills, what am I in quotations, I, thinking, doing, being, feeling, what's happening right now in my physical, emotional, psychological experience of the world. And I will often have clients, as I'm sure you do as well, that say, oh, I tried doing this present thing this week. And man, it's, it's really hard. When does it get easier? And the answer to that is, just like anything you have to practice, you'll reach a tipping point where all of a sudden you notice, oh, hey, that was pretty easy. Like I, I caught it easily this time. I noticed it easily this time. I didn't judge it easily this time. I named it easily this time. That comes from practice to give ourselves the space to learn how to do this means no judgment of when we miss something or quote unquote fail. 
because breaking our patterns of numbing, lack of awareness, busyness, disconnection, those are some deep rooted practices we may be in and reversing those practices and gaining some new ones will take some time. So offering ourselves the grace and compassion and time to learn these new skills by putting them into play. As human beings, we do really well with certain kinds of practices or activities to get better at this. Journaling, meditating, doing gratitude, being in silence, spending time in nature. Those kinds of things are really helpful for developing the muscles, our noticing muscles and our present muscles and our pause muscles and our allowance muscles. Like Those are really great activities that help us to get better at doing those things. So if you heard the list, you know, practicing gratitude, practicing awareness, which is basically just staying present in the moment. Oftentimes that comes with a lot of breathing practices, journaling, straight up meditation, whether it's guided or not. There's so many different ways to meditate. Whether you're doing none of these, all of them, there's always opportunity to start one of them, add another one into your practice, tweak how often you do them, tweak the style or intensity that you're doing it. And I would even say a layer that we can add is sharing our practices with other people. Starting to learn the skills that bring us to this place of greater wellness and well-being, of being able to recognize the distinction between love and fear and knowing how to put yourself in the space of love. Amen. Yeah, I think that there are things like competition and comparison and and judgment that are kind of drip fed into us from an early age and we do well in scenarios where we can focus those and harness them and put them to our best advantage like you know the olympics we were all watching and enjoying the successes there but that stuff is so ingrained it kind of bleeds through into all aspects of your life and so you have that kind of same competitive and comparative nature Mm -hmm. um, including everything that you're doing and so you're kind of you take on a new practice and you want to be the best at or you want to get to the end of the goal as quicker than quicker than possible or it, it takes 10 hours i want to do it in eight hours that kind of mentality and this practice that we're talking about is a lifetime practice it's a many lifetimes practice it's not something that you know you can just learn i'm going to study for 40 hours every week for six yeah. months and i've nailed it you know no problem <laughs> it's something that is a practice it is a method that frees you but also you can't be beholden on to it and trying to see it as the lifeboat that saves you from whatever it is you're doing it's merely a means to access different understandings and sort of realities if you like not i have to follow this path from a to mm-hmm. b to c and everything there are lots of different ways to go and there are lots of different things we can help to teach us but it will take a long time you know you can't go from zero to 100 in a 10-week course that's why it's always difficult when clients go on and like oh what are we going to do how do we do this we break it down into a 10 weeks online course or a six-month thing and it's just really a case of well for me anyway we'll sign you up for three months that gives us a good idea for you for me to learn about you you'd learn about me for us to start making some breakthroughs and for you to start putting them into practice without expecting some miraculous thing to have happened in 12 weeks time the essence being that we're not here looking for an answer in a defined time we're here to experience everything without really grasping onto what the need for an answer or the need for something 
And I think it's that simple shift from an expectation goal orientation to a just experiential goal orientation, if you like. That shift, for me anyway, changed everything from that acceptance, from the allowance kind of piece that you were talking about earlier, but also that ease with which I can sit with a terrible experience, an exhilarating experience, and having that same equanimity maybe to enjoy everything, no matter whether it's good or bad or right or wrong. If you can try to adopt an unconditionality to the things that you do, the way you are, the way you show up, what your expectations of others are, Obviously, we talk about unconditional love, but I think that unconditional nature of, in all aspects of everything that you do, I think is really a liberating factor for me because you, you kind of relieve the expectations on yourself. You don't have grandiose expectations on other people. And, and in so doing, you kind of you know, like level the playing field a bit. It just makes everything a bit more easy for me anyway, a bit freer. And that, that, that's how I can be just as comfortable in a familiar place or an unfamiliar place, or I can find a positive in an uncomfortable situation as I can mm-hmm. a comfortable one. So this is reminding me of the Viktor Frankl quote that I actually used recently in a post on LinkedIn. Between mm-hmm. stimulus and response is space. And in that space lies your power and your freedom. I think in this moment, I'd actually like to just do a small edit, Viktor Frankl, if you'd give me permission and say, lies your wisdom and freedom. Wisdom for me brings an emotional sense of, I already have it. I just have to bring it to realization. So much stuff that has been passed generationally through grandparents, great-grandparents, like people who've lived so much more life than I have lived and so many years of it compiled into one that has been offered to me. Yes, people that are in my family, but the world in and of itself, it's contained within my DNA, within my cells, within my spirit. I I totally believe that. And so when we give ourselves permission to explore that space, we'll start to hear it. Mm. That's where the freedom lies. Well, this has been lovely. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you for always diving into the deep dives with me, wherever we happen to go. Always got my scuba gear on. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we say goodbye to our listeners? We will, yeah. I feel remiss I haven't included too many uh, British colloquialisms or uh, old-fashioned words in this episode, but I'll uh, endeavour to um, try harder next time. (laughs) Thanks for listening, audience. Be sure to um, subscribe, rate, review. If you've got a topic you'd like to hear, Risa and I create an episode about, send us an email. Check out the show notes for more details. Yes, please do. That's always exciting when we have that. Uh, We love hearing the feedback. We love having the comments. Please check out the back catalogue. We're rapidly approaching 100 episodes now. So, so much there to people to dive into. We have the honour of some amazing guests, some real insightful moments. And then more recently, um, just the two of us having these one-to-one conversations, which is uh, proving to be a fan favourite. So we're planning to do a few more of these as we uh, approach season three of this epic podcast, Exploding (laughs) Status Quo Unity. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. 
And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.